0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday.
1: First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor.
0: Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller.
2: It is not often that I am so optimistic after a loss, but John Boyle, you can't help but be impressed with what the Seahawks did last week in Cincinnati.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously the result is not what you want. You wanted to go win that game, but there's a reason right after the game, Pete Carroll said that he loved that game and he, you know, the locker room was not all down and hanging their heads. And look, that's the game they absolutely feel like they should have won tons of chances to go get that winning score throughout the second half but when your defense does what that defense did you feel pretty i think we've all felt good about this offense all along you know we know they're beat up on the offensive line there's some mid-game factors but overall you look at the weapons you look at Geno Smith it's like this offense is going to be fine the big question mark all along's been how good can this defense be can it be good enough to kind of get this team over the top and the defense we saw the last couple weeks and against you know really good quarterback receiver last week that's the kind of defense that can take you pretty deep in the playoffs
2: well, and they talked about what they needed to do. They knew that you had to take away maybe that deep threat from Joe Burrow, and you had to stop mixing, and they did. Yeah. I mean, those, those numbers plays. were unbelievable. Barely over 200 yards total offense, less than 50 yards rushing. That defense has shown consistency from uh, probably about week two on. Do you know what the longest rush
3: the Bengals had in that game was?
2: I feel like you're testing me, and I don't know. Five yards. Seriously?
3: Five. Longest run play they had.
2: Well, you know, the other thing is, when you look at Jamar Chase, more than half of his yards, or about half of his yards on the season, came after contact. Seattle was right there on him. Yeah, That that defense did not allow him to get a lot of yards after contact or after catch on that one. So I'm really impressed. And I do think that that is not – we don't just – We don't sugarcoat things after a loss. We understand what needs to happen. The coaches don't sugarcoat things. But there is definitely a different vibe in the building and in the locker room this week as compared to after, like, the week one loss against the Rams, right? I think that that's important to point out because I do think that we tend to focus, as sports fans, on what you could have done better. And the offense absolutely could have done things better. Third down, the number actually yeah. was better than it had. And as Pete pointed out this week, when you look at third down percentage and conversion, it's the difference between like one and two, two yeah. plays. We're, we're not talking about 10 plays. Exactly. Yes.
3: It's, and they, yeah, they were better on third down. I mean, the Reds don't kill them. And they, look, you, you went, you had four trips inside the 10 in the second half, and you got three points out of it. That's pretty bad. But... I mean, before this number skews it, and they're not ranked very highly now. But before this week, they're ten for seventeen and getting touchdowns in the red zone that would put them in the top ten that rate. So they've been solid in there. They've had you know the offensive line had a hard. They're missing two starters and two guys were playing beat up. Jake Curran and Phil Haynes had injuries they're dealing with, and it caught up to them a little bit against a really good defense. That you know you get in the red zone, field gets shorter, you can take more chances of pass rushing, and they got after Geno Smith a lot, and you know it was a tough day in the red zone, but that. You know, it it costs you a game, but that's not something I look at as like this is going to be a huge problem all season.
2: Yeah, Pete Carroll saying that they paid the price a little bit for the condition that those guys were playing, and I thought it was interesting. John, you were asking a very specific question about Geno Smith this week to a number of players, including Pete Carroll, on how he handled the loss.
4: Yeah, I think it's a perfect illustration of leadership. You know, that's exactly what. You guys should do, you know, if that's how they feel about it and they express it that way. The example that they display for other players um, is exceedingly valuable for us so that you don't spend time trying to deny what just happened. You get after it and you figure it out and you, and you get right and get better for it. And I thought Gina did a perfect job of that.
3: And and the question there, Pete was answering, was about the fact that Geno Smith was very blunt after the game, saying I need to be better. Put that on my shoulders. Like he was trying to take every bullet for that loss. And look, it was not his best game. He had some throws he'd rather get back. Maybe didn't didn't make a couple throws he could have made. But he was not also not nearly as bad. I mean, I've seen some wild takes out there on on, on the internet about changing quarterbacks and all that. He was not. I mean, he made some. Gorgeous throws in that game. He got hit 14 times. He was under pressure a ton.
2: 47 yeah. I mean, percent, I believe. It,
3: no quarterback is going to thrive in those settings. And again, yes, there were some mistakes, but he is not the reason, the sole reason they lost that game. But he tried to take it on himself. And I think that's really valuable for a team, especially, you know, we've seen it over the years. I'm not saying necessarily on the scene, but across football, if one side of the ball is outperforming the other consistently, it can lead to problems. You know, guys start getting frustrated and no one on the defense that I heard of expressed that at all this game. But if it kept continuing, you sometimes you wonder. And when you have a quarterback immediately being like, "No, that's on me," the defense should have won- we should have won that game. That I think just buys you a lot of credibility in that locker room and just shows a lot of leadership. So I think that's important to, to hear the quarterback do that. Whether again, I'm not saying. It's nearly as much his fault as he made it out to be, but I still think there's a lot of value in it.
2: Well, and certainly it gets talked about in the locker room, right? Whatever the issues are in that game, why passes weren't complete, why there was an interception, why it was difficult to get the ground game going in the second half, whatever they've identified as challenges, it's not like they don't talk about that in the locker room, but you are presenting a united front. John, I can only imagine it's like parenting. I wouldn't know, but I would imagine it's like parenting. You present the united front, and you got to be disciplined about that, and and you take care of what needs to be taken care of in the meeting room,
3: right? Well, yeah, I get. I mean, now I'm trying to stretch this analogy out, and no,
2: I wouldn't figure I, who's I,
3: the the three year old screaming at me or two year old. I'm trying to round up on my job. which child
2: which child is screaming at you? Yeah, that just seems like you are going to get yourself in big trouble. Mm-hmm. So how about if we switch gears and we talk about the day that Jackson Smith and Jigba had? First of all, that opening drive by Shane Waldron and I know that DK earlier this week had said, "Yeah, you just tried to break tendencies on that opening drive because you scripted those first 15 plays. Ch- they they that ran fun. so many yeah. different formations. Yeah. It was unbelievable." Good.
3: You had both running backs in the backfield at the same time with a tight end. You had there's multiple a lot of motions. Yeah. yeah, as I the would... kids would say, he was in his bag. I think is the expression is that... the kids. I, I could be wrong. Maybe I if don't I
2: think that sounds familiar.
3: If I know that term I'm... by now, it's probably not. You know, the kids aren't saying it anymore.
2: They're probably not saying it the same way you just said it because that sounded like you're going to the grocery store.
3: Help me out here, NASA. <laughs> Do the kids say that?
0: They do say something like that, not in the way you said it. Well,
3: no, (laughs) of course not.
0: But I'm also old now, too, so I don't know.
2: All right. You know (laughs) what? We're going to switch gears yet again and go back to the point I was trying to make because you guys are sidetracking me on this one. Sorry. Jackson Smith in Jigba. He's been a little bit quiet early on. And I do think we all forgot. We anticipated that he was going to miss a couple of regular season yeah. games. Yeah, I mean, he, like, he
3: broke his wrist right before the start of the season. He had to have surgery. Had surgery. Yeah. It
2: was crazy. And so it is pretty obvious when you look at the numbers and his production why Pete Carroll feels the way he does after watching the rookie.
4: Yes. Yeah, I thought he – yeah, by far. And and I made a point about it, tried to make a point about it because I wanted him to hear it too, that he played really well in the, in the running game. He was really clean with his assignments. We moved him around quite a bit. He came through on his catches and his plays. He did a really nice job in the game. I think, you know, this is this is six six weeks right now, right? Six weeks in the season coming up, you know. And uh, he's not wearing a cast anymore. He's not wearing anything on his on his arm and his hand anymore, wrist anymore. And he blocked well, you know, threw his hands in there uh, aggressively. I think any any j- passing of judgment up until now, I think, was was premature. He's just getting going, and uh, we love him, and he's a, he's going to be a real big factor for us.
3: By the way, how how Pete Carroll is it to lead that answer off talking about his run blocking? Like, yes, I'm yeah. going to talk about a receiver's <laughs> run blocking. That's I love it. But yeah, I mean, look that position. Regardless of any other factors, rookies sometimes can start a little slow. It's a hard position. You're also coming to a position group with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. There's going to be games. The opportunities just aren't there. And then we can talk about more multiple tight end sets because of the tackles being injured. There's been so many factors, even without the injury, that I think, to your point, we kind of forget that, yeah, this guy, until this Bengals game, he was playing with a brace on his wrist. He was, you know... uh, a month or so removed from surgery and he missed time in training camp. He missed preseason playing time, which is all really valuable for rookies. So the initial kind of panic of, oh, where's Jackson Smith? At Jigba? A, I think that's a lot fantasy football driven. But B, it's just, it's way premature. And I think he's still going to be a huge part of this offense. We saw a little glimpse of it. Could have been an even bigger game, as Pete Carroll's noted. You know, there's one opportunity where he got open. Geno Smith felt a little pressure, scrambled for the first down. but. You hit that throw. Now we're talking about a, you know, 80 yard game with a touchdown, which is great. So, yeah, I, I, saw enough, we all saw enough of him in training camp. I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player and we're just maybe starting to see him break into that a little bit.
2: Well, the other number to keep in mind is total number of plays per game Yeah, and Seattle ran, ran 70 yeah. on Sunday against Cincinnati. That absolutely plays in because the game before you had not nearly as many for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons or I should say a couple of games ago. So that all works into how much they want to have that mm-hmm. run pass mix yeah. and,
3: and what the defense gives you. We also did see though his percentage of snaps went up which I do think is probably a factor Charles Cross being back okay okay now we got our left tackle back we maybe don't need a tight end as often to help out there so yeah I I, again I just think he's starting to scratch the surface and we're gonna see more and more out of him
2: you mentioned fantasy and fantasy football players how about if we check in with our fantasy insider Scott Engel there are a lot of teams on the buy this week and that could create a few challenges that was a
1: hell of a segue Jen Thanks, Jen and John, and this is going to be a challenging week seven for fantasy football players as six NFL teams are on a bye. But you can confidently stream Geno Smith as he faces the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona is 29th in fantasy points per game allowed to opposing quarterbacks. Also, lock in the Seattle defense. 14 sacks and four turnovers over the last two weeks. They face a Cardinals team that has allowed five sacks and turned the ball over five times in their last two games. At running back, go with Javante Williams. Last week, he returned to action. Looked good, 10 carries, 52 yards. Green Bay, 29th in fantasy points per game allowed to running backs. Zach Evans was a very popular pickup on the waiver wire this week. The Rams have the fourth-best offense in the NFC, And he can be a drive finisher for them. Scoring touchdowns, short yardage runs, and a good matchup against Pittsburgh. Tyler Lockett, make sure he is definitely in your lineup as a fantasy wide receiver three. Arizona ranks 25th in fantasy points per game allowed to opposing wide receivers. And this good matchup could also lead to the first breakout fantasy game game. From first round rookie Jackson Smith in Jigba. Devontae Smith is a good start on Sunday night football in a must see matchup with the Miami Dolphins. That should be a shootout, a fun fantasy game. Also at wide receiver, stream Wondell Robinson of the New York Giants as he is starting to progress to become a reliable fantasy wide receiver option. Washington has allowed the most yardage and touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. If you need a tight end this week, consider Luke Muxgrave of the Green Bay Packers. The rookie has a good matchup. Denver allows the most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. And a quarterback, another streaming option, second-year man Sam Howell of the Washington Commanders. Three touchdown passes against a good Atlanta defense last week. He already has three 290-plus yard games. Check out more fantasy recommendations and tips for me on Seahawks.com, on the Fantasy Insider page. Also check out more of my work at thegameday.com and my lineup rankings at rotoballer.com. Back to you, Jen and John.
2: All right, thank you, Scott. When it comes to this week's game against the Arizona Cardinals, John, for so many years, I would just look back on my previous year's notes and be like, well, I know exactly what's going to happen. I yeah. know the personnel. I know the coach. I know the style. I know very little about this Arizona team. And I would think, given the fact that they have a defensive-minded head coach, those defensive numbers would jump off the page a little bit more, and they just haven't.
3: Yeah, they've they've struggled on defense. And, I mean, they're missing some guys. They, they're hoping to get Buda Baker back this week. He returned to practice. He's been on injured reserve. But... Yeah, I mean, look, this is a team that a lot of people looked at just talent wise coming the year, a new head coach, a lot of roster turnover. A lot of people peg them as potentially one of the worst teams in the NFL, and their record's not great. They're one in five. But this is not a team you just look at and like, oh, that's a pushover. They've been feisty, they've been competitive in every game, even without their starting quarterback and with the, the, you know, just the roster turnover, everything else. Four of their five losses have been by one score margins. They've been, you know, they've had leads against some good teams. They beat the Dallas Cowboys, which are, you know, very talented, good teams. So I don't think anyone in C- Seattle's locker room is going to be like, oh, one in five team, chalk this up to an easy win.
2: I don't think fans look at Arizona well, and say too. this is an easy win because the Cardinals have more wins at Lumen Field since it opened than any other opponent Seattle's played. Yeah. And there's been a couple of doozies. Yeah, it's so,
3: been a very weird series with both teams. Winning a lot on the road, so I don't think anyone's going into Sunday just going up oh, easy win. We got this. It'll be you know
2: no, but you do look at the defensive numbers and realize that the Cardinals defense ranks 29th in points allowed and 27th. Oh, excuse me, yeah, 29th in points allowed and 30th in yards allowed, which means we could see some nice
3: numbers for Gino in the offense. There's some I opportunities. Mean, They've you know I've seen some numbers on their you know their cornerbacks opponent passer rating allowed things like that like it's it's been a struggle for them so this is a game you would look at you know Gino in the passing game should be able to get going
2: well and it is definitely a rebuild for Arizona yeah. right and there are new guys that are stepping in to larger roles it's funny because i was looking across at lineups and there's so many guys who have already set career highs in like sacks and tackle totals yeah. because they've gotten
3: Z- two, yeah, right, like or their first one. time. And you're like, yeah. oh, either, gosh. Either rookies or young guys get their first real playing time.
2: Exactly. Uh, on the offensive side of things, Kyler Murray returns to practice. We don't anticipate seeing him at yeah. this point. We do anticipate seeing Josh Dobbs. But I don't really know what to expect from him. Here's what Pete Carroll has seen so far.
4: He's benefited though, I I, I don't have anything to really compare him to, but he's benefited from his time because he looks very well equipped. Uh, He's very much in command of the game, they they have a lot of offense, he's in the middle of a bunch of it with the running game that he he adds to it. Um, He's a really good scrambler, Um, he can throw a variety of throws, he he works the whole field, so I don't know what's kept him from getting his chances, but he looks like a really good football player and and, and he's a factor because of the way they're using him, so uh, he's a challenge.
3: Yeah, I mean it. Their offense has been better than I think a lot of people thought, especially without Kyler Murray for the start of the season. And Dobbs has been solid. I, the biggest kind of knock on him lately is there's been some crucial turnovers late in games. But otherwise, he has that offense functioning pretty well. As Pete Carroll mentioned, he's a he's a good runner. I think he had like 47 rushing yards on seven carries last week or something like that. So he can he can hurt you on the ground. This is a guy who's bounced around the league forever and not really had opportunities to get real playing time before this and He's he's helping himself.
2: Yeah, they have had five turnovers in the last two weeks. He has fumbled six times. He has lost four of them over the course of the season. But when you talk about his style of running, well, he's got four runs of 20 or more yards. That is the most among NFL quarterbacks this season. And he is fifth highest in quarterback rushing totals this year. He does it just a little bit differently. And if he gets into the open field, he's got a chance
4: to run. Well, he, he's he's adept. He's got good speed, a little bit of a long strider. He's a tall guy, you know, and uh, he, he gets out and guys don't catch him very quickly, you know. He's, he's had some good substantial runs already. Um, he's a threat in the running game, but he's also the threat in the passing game, too, to get out and go. And, and he, the thing that I like about him, he's run really tough when he's had his chances. He's, he's run into some guys to make extra yards to score a touchdown earlier in the year. You know, he took a real big hit to go do it and he, he accomplished the task and got it done. and So I'm sure that those guys are rallying behind him and, and uh, you know, excited about the way he's playing. Can we also just mention his awesome nickname,
3: The Pastronaut? Yes. Because he's a rocket scientist, like actual rocket yeah. scientist.
2: Yeah, which also makes me question what I'm doing with my life. But yes.
3: I just love that nickname so much. <laughs> I saw that the other day, and I was like, that is fantastic.
2: We'll get you a T-shirt. It is interesting. When you put his numbers and add them to a running backs group that is without James Connor, and and we can hear from Pete, but let me just sum this up and say, I did not put him in the category of iconic football player, and Pete did, for James Connor.
3: Yeah. I, I don't think I would have either, but he he'd been a lot right? of that offense, and...
2: It was a little bit surprising to hear. Now, he is out. He is the team's leading rusher, but the Cardinals can still run the ball. They're going to do it with multiple looks, and I thought that was kind of one of the interesting things that Bobby was talking to the media about this week. Of, uh, It's not going to be the same running style yeah. that they had before.
3: It's much more varied, I think, from the way yes. Bobby Wagner described it, and now that Connor is out, you're going to see multiple guys you know, they had a bunch of different running backs involved last week. so. That's, I mean, you every week you talk about it starts for stopping their own, but this is much more obvious than this one because it's a team that has been very committed to running the ball exactly. this year.
2: Exactly. And even without Connor, they have managed to put up some pretty decent yardage. Um, should we hear Pete talking about him being an iconic player?
3: I mean, it's better than hearing us talk about it. Great. Thanks. I, you know, <laughs> g- giving
4: Pete some credit. He's got a little more football credibility than you and I. Uh, James Connor, is a he's a— He's an iconic football player to me. I've loved the way he's played over the years. He's so physical and so tough. Not everybody's like that, or he would, he would stand out like that. Um, so I, I know we would miss a guy like that on our team, so you're gonna miss him, but they have a good group and they have a number of ways that they mix their looks and stuff and use a, a variety of guys. They have really fast receivers and they use them accordingly, and they're in the backfield some, and they, they factor in. So um, they've got plenty of factors. It's different though. I mean, you know, uh, James, he's, he's a big time you know, player and contributor and all that, so it, they're just a little different.
2: I tell you what, this seems like a good time to take a break in the action and hear a word from our presenting sponsor.
0: Statistically, the world is losing color. Just consider all-white kitchens, beige baby nurseries, a sea of gray cars. But in the hundreds of destinations Delta flies to, you can rediscover color in the bright blue waters of Hawaii, the Emerald Green Hills of Scotland the berry-pink cherry blossoms of Tokyo, and so much more. Sometimes, opening your world is all it takes to open your mind, which is why, when you fly Delta, your potential takes off when you do. Delta, official airline of the Seattle Seahawks.
2: We spend so much time talking about offense and defense and particular matchups. John, can we give some love to special teams today?
3: Yeah, I mean, that group's been solid all year round. Or all season long, I guess maybe they're not solid in May and June, but sure, why not? When they get some time off, I don't know that you should be taking that. a
2: shot. I wasn't at taking anybody. a shot. I'm
3: taking a shot at my phrasing of all year round because they don't really play all year round. Is special teams you made solid in February when they're sound off?
2: like they're couch potatoes?
3: No. I'm just saying they can't really perform as a special teams unit. This is a terrible podcast right now. Let's just No,
2: it's fantastic. <laughs> you just gave everybody bulletin board material All in right. the locker room. So hey, Nick, Ballor Nick Ballor is absolutely – Going to be hearing about this. Here's what I was actually talking about. When it comes to kickoff returns, we saw a couple of nice runs by DJ DJ Dallas this last week. I start to look at the numbers. Turns out Seattle has the third most kickoff return yards in the league, and they have had eight returns of 20 or more yards. And I was asking Pete about it this week. I talked to DJ Dallas about it this week. And Pete said... Some of it is a matter of just feeling the presence mm-hmm. of DJ Dallas. DJ, for his part, said, I know my role on the team. I understand what they need from me. I'm not going to get that many reps as a running back. So this is where I can contribute most. I finally trust my technique, and I'm I'm getting the results because of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, he was a guy. He's done this before, obviously. And before he felt like sort of he's solid, he's safe, he's He's going to make good decisions and be secure with the ball, which for Pete Carroll is so important. But this year it's like, no, he's actually a threat to to make a big play a lot more often. And it, yeah, in both punt and return and yes. kick return. So it's it's been cool to see him really embrace that role and thrive in it.
2: And you talk about making decisions. There are a few times where I look and I'm like, man, why are you not letting that bounce? Like what is happening? But he sees the lane in front of him. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting at least – 20 yards on a return now give a lot of credit to the guys in front of them who by the way they have been playing without key guys too at different points in time because injuries affect special teams we just don't happen to talk about it quite as much yeah for sure and sometimes Uh, even
3: more so because you get you know the guys who were big huge special teams mainstays have to play more at other positions yes.
2: yes um so yeah we're gonna give a shout out to special teams also shout out to jason Myers.
3: Is that a little record? Franchise record? He's tied the record. Oh, I thought he broke
2: it. Wait, didn't he tie it?
3: I thought he already tied it, man. Oh. Well, one of us is wrong. Let's see who it is, Jen.
2: This is great radio. He does have the franchise record.
3: All right. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Now, that applause is both for the record and for me being right. You know
2: what? We're moving on. (laughs) How many times have I had to redirect the conversation today? You know what? We have reached the point where we need to talk about the two things the Seahawks need to do to win Sunday's game. You are not going to guess mine. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to just tell you what it is?
3: I want you to just tell me.
2: Well, it's National Tight Ends Day on, on Sunday.
3: How come they're the only position that gets their own day?
2: I think that that is a deep dive we need to do with the tight end group. Yeah. I don't know why that is. But in honor of that holiday, we'll call it, I'd like to see a tight end touchdown. I'd like to see some of that 13 personnel, 12. I'd I'd like to see just like, let's load them up, especially in the red zone. I'd like a tight end touchdown in the red zone. And I would like points in the second half because of what we were talking about. With the Cardinals, they play tough. They've only scored seven points in the fourth quarter. They just can't quite finish games. But the more opportunities you have to see what that feels like, the more it's likely that they're turning the corner on that one. I just want to see the Hawks slam the door, continue to add points in the second half.
3: Yeah, I'm going to start with the obvious, which is the run game. Look, I'm not saying you got to hold them under a certain threshold of yards, because if they want to just pound it and average 3 yards of carry all game. Let them pile up their yards 3 yards at a time, but just keep that average it's been, I mean all year long Seahawks have been holding the opponents right around 3 yards of carry. Keep it down at that level. I just don't think their offense can beat you without a good running game. So yeah. stop that. And then again, I don't see the red zone as a big problem, but I'd love to see him just have a big red zone day to put that behind them. Put it in the rearview mirror, you know. Maybe get like four or five red zone touchdowns so we're not talking about that next week.
2: That is a lot of touchdowns,
3: period. Much less in the red zone. I mean, what happened to like? Sure, but I mean, five touchdowns is what thirty-five points. That's not outrageous. They're averaging in the upper twenties right now.
2: Okay. I mean, I
3: just believe big, Jen.
2: Don't you want to see Jason continue to extend his franchise record? Where's the field
3: goal team in this? Where's the field goal team? Thirty-eight points. (laughs) Five touchdowns and a field goal. Continue the streak.
2: I feel like this has been a contentious episode. I got a lot of love for Jason
3: Myers, but if he's kicking extra points all day, I promise you he will be fine with that because he knows that's good for the team.
2: All right, look, this has been a contentious episode. I don't know what happened today. I do promise that we will be back next week to break down everything and to get you up to speed. Thanks for listening to the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.